G'day legends and welcome back to the Voice of Empire. If you're interested in China, then this is your episode. As today we have China expert Sulky Tok talking to us for 30 minutes straight about Macau. It's really interesting and we hope you enjoy. Today we're here with Sulky Tok, who is a very handsome man with his his pink shirt. Um and <laughs> Also, the deputy director also the of the deputy Masters da- of International Relations and something something Asia Institute. I'm I'm sorry, I butchered this. Teacher um, of Asia of the World and Rising China. So take those subjects. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the advertisement. Yeah, glad to be here. Can confirm Asia and the world is a ripper subject, and I've learned a lot from it. Um, what else? Uh, a word from our sponsors. Uh, get your tractors from Tom's Tractors. We got tractors with big wheels, small wheels, and medium wheels for the kids. Uh, buy one and yeah. So why are we talking today? Why 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 the sudden interest in 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 Macau and Hong Kong? Uh, Mar- Marco, what's uh? Yeah, because I think we have to bring some content that no one covers. And I think no one talks about this difference. Half the people in yeah. the world probably don't even like know every, Macau exists. Yeah, that's right. Everyone say about Hong Kong, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, but no one cares about Macau. Mm. And the system between Hong Kong and Macau is pretty similar. It's yeah. Two country, one two system. One, one country, two systems. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. So why? I, I think it's a misnomer. One country, two system is a misnomer because it's not one country, two system. It's one country X systems. Uh, X as in variable, you know, um, because the Hong Kong system is very different from Macau actually. Um, although they are all put under the same framework of one country two systems, um, Macau actually inherited the Portuguese system rather than the uh, British system, colonial system. So, I understand you were your family was from Macau. Oh yeah, did Marco tell you that? <laughs> I didn't know. I have no idea. Yeah, my well, my parents actually moved a lot, but um, they were born in oh, no no they raised up their adult life in Hong Kong and then they lived in Macau for quite a bit. So I used to go there to see like my grandparents okay. and then my uncles. But now my uncle has moved to um, Australia because you know. But you have never lived there. No, but no, I used no. to go there every like second year when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. I feel like it's always. I definitely know Macau better than I know Hong Kong. Did it or did it not look like Skyfall, James Bond? I don't. I oh, don't okay. know. <laughs> to be fair, there was only like two shots not of Macau in that yeah. movie. One of them was like the the gaming kind of arena. What do you call it? Like a, a will, gambling house, and then the other one yes. was just a random back street. I will say it has changed a lot since I was in since I was a kid. Like back then, like we just cycle around the area and it was very quiet. But then now it's just. You go there, and it's casinos, casinos. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, you have changed quite a lot since nineteen ninety nine, definitely. Yeah. Um. So just a little bit of background is that um, Hong Kong belongs to the British uh, colonial administration, whereas Portuguese mm. rule uh, um, Macau for a longer time than Brits have ruled Hong Kong. So um, Portuguese were in Macau since the, if I'm not wrong, the seventeenth century. Oh God, so they yeah they set it up as an outpost, a trading outpost for for the uh, Portuguese uh, trade routes, um, and following that is that um, it's almost by default that um, the the Chinese government then the 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 the, the Qing court actually recognized um, Macau as part of 
uh, Portuguese rule. So um, it has a it has a very different beginning compared to what's in Hong Kong. Hong yeah. Kong is because of the, um, the because China China the the Qing court lost Opium War, and and following that um, there's there are series uh, Tianjin Treaty, the Beijing Peking Treaties. So following that they 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 ceded Hong Kong and new territories to to uh, the the British Empire. When you say Qing. Qing court? Yeah, Qing court as in like the, the uh, Manchu, Manchu yeah. uh, emperor. The yeah. one that spelt with a Q. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The dark century. From uh, like, no, yeah. no, actually the no. dark century. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Isn't that like 1850s to 1950s? Yeah. Isn't that the, uh, the Qing empire started in yeah. uh, the 17th century right up to the twentieth, early 20th century. Yes. So a good 350, 380 years. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the origins are different. So, mm. and, and the nature of uh, administration is quite different. Hong Kong falls under very, very uh, controlled British rule. Whereas, in, um, as what I said, you know, Macau is, an, is a trading outpost. So they really didn't, um, pot, the Portuguese are not known to be superb administrators. <laughs> for some strange reasons, well, we all know why, but generally, um, Macau is like um, a very laissez-faire kind of administrative, uh, under very laissez-faire administration. Uh, in fact, um, by by oral accounts, I, I've heard that even in the, up till the 1960s, someone can actually walk all the way from mainland China into central Macau without having to do any 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 immigration checks at all. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So that's how open um, the uh, Portuguese uh, colonial administration has been, and for that reason, Macau has a very close relationship with with uh, China. Um, um, okay. The the community. I mean, mainly the community is made up of uh, 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 Chinese who have origins from mainland China, of course. But um, by and large, the colonial administration didn't impose a lot of uh, regulation on education, on, on activities in, you know, um, in, in Macau. So Macau, in a way, uh, has a very organic development um, that is, uh, you can say that it's, not, it's caused by non-administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, which happened is very interesting because the transition from uh, a colonial outpost back to China compared to what is going on in Hong Kong is also very different. Okay, of course the uh, the return of Macau in nineteen ninety nine back to mainland China has a uh, benefit of hindsight from what has happened in Hong Kong in nineteen ninety seven. Okay, um, uh, Beijing actually learned quite a lot from from the experience of the transition from Hong Kong back to mainland China, mm-hmm. which they made the transition back to for or for Macau back to mainland China a lot more orderly and 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 uh, um, control yeah. control. I will use the word control than 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 what happened in Hong Kong. What was it like with the Portuguese government, like the negotiating between? They were pretty easy. Okay. It was pretty easy. There were no no big issues like um 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 
the airport issue, for example, you know, um, land issue was not a big issue as all, at all, okay, because uh, British administration had very different land rights uh, imposed in Hong Kong, and um, for a while, land issue was a big issue for, for, for the transition. I guess um, the Portuguese already lost Brazil, so losing Macau is not. Yeah, you're probably right. Portuguese. You're probably right on that. On that, yes, you're they probably right. They lost everything. They lost yeah. everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. They. I mean, uh, as an empire, uh, the the po- po- Portuguese the Portuguese empire is actually a very weak empire. So administratively, they they pretty much let their own colonies do what they want. Um, but that notwithstanding, we, we can see how the mainland Chinese government uh, tried to um, you know, sort things out in, in Macau even before the transition, like um, the targeting of uh, uh, um, the gangs in the... It, rather, rather, than, rather than eliminating all the gangs in, in Macau, they actually reorganized the gangs and legitimize some of those activities in 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 Macau. So, sneaky. yeah, we can call it sneaky, but um, it gave a chance for all the big <laughs> players in Macau to to kind of like whitewash themselves and become legitimate. Okay, so the emergence of the four families in Macau was pretty much uh, out, an outcome of uh, the uh, gangland gangland intervention in Macau. Uh, and the liberalization of uh, gaming license in Macau was very much and also a, a kind of a condition for that reorganization. So who are the four oh, families? Yeah. The four families, I can't re- exactly remember all their names, okay? But if, if you look through the, you can probably find on Wikipedia the four families, the names and, and their, their heritage and everything. Um, and it is large, by and large, recognized that one of the four families will be the chief executive of Macau. So they'll rotate, it's a rotating chair of chief executive in Macau. And they, they were like gangs originally. Yeah, they were gangs originally. Damn, they've done well. <laughs> That's right. But um, part of it also was the, the deal that uh, the Chinese government had with, uh, with uh, Stanley Ho on liberalizing uh, gaming license. So um, Stanley Ho, until 1999, was the only license holder for, for gambling in, in, in Macau. So there was only one, one casino mm. in Macau. But after 1999, the liberalization, you see the, you know, all, the mush, all the casino mushrooming in, in Macau and brought about a, 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 a pretty high level of uh, uh, living standard improvement. Yeah. To, 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 to Macau average people. That's basically how my uncle was able to move to Australia because he owned properties and when that boomed, I guess he yeah, had like a big right. and he was that's like, right. sell it, move here. Yeah, it so, used to be a very, I wouldn't use the word bad word, but it was kind of a backwaters, yeah. you know, compared to the development in Hong Kong, all the yeah. economic developments in Hong Kong. Macau was really backwaters. But since... The opening of license, uh, uh, gaming license. You see, you see that Macau has actually moved, grow a lot faster so, than than. So how's the economic situation right now compared to Hong Kong? As far as I know, I think um, over the last twenty years, uh, Macau has registered positive growth every single year uh, for um, the last two. They're decades. still handing out my parents like money every year because apparently they just have so, so much, much money surplus, yeah. they like need to give it to whoever and whatever citizens there are around the world yeah 
Um, even my sisters who were born there, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't expect that in Hong Kong, you know, in terms of population size, in terms of uh, um, even, yes, I mean, Hong Kong has a lot of income and, and the agreement uh, in one, under one country, two system is that each of those um, um, territories will retain their, their, their revenue and profits. So the, whatever accounts, finance, if they have positive uh, budget accounts, okay, they will, they will they have the access to distribute to, to, to the residents. But what about Hong Kong? Like Hong Kong to me, or to everyone, it seems like a very business hub or like very wealthy. Is it not as wealthy as Macau? I mean, well, you said I think, it was. I think the like average Macau. GDP, uh, GDP per capita in Macau is now higher than that in Hong Kong, if I'm not wrong. Mm. Yeah. So, yes, they, because in the first place, you have to understand Macau has a very small base population base all right so uh compared to that of hong kong hong kong has like nine million whereas uh macau is about six hundred thousand whoa okay i was gonna say two million but no no i think it was i i could be wrong i could be wrong but i know it's in hundreds of thousands only it's not that it's not really not that big yeah so when when all the gaming license you know how much they have to pay for 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 the gaming license you can imagine how much money the the administration can get yeah, the territory crazy. administration yeah, six hundred thousand. Six hundred thousand. So I was right there, um, in and in a lot of way because it's a it's a very uh, skewed economy. It's not like in Hong Kong where it's an international economy. All right, um, Hong Kong relies a lot on trade on on um, finance services and services, whereas in Macau you are talking about ninety above ninety percent of the economy made through gaming mm. so gambling gambling racing you know horse racing dog <laughs> racing you know greyhound racing would be the paradise for australia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be like the sin city right. you know that's right um yeah so it's a it's 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 a very different economy you are actually looking at very different economy demographics wise is also very different you know whereas you see uh international movement within within uh, Hong Kong, you see a lot less, more static population in, in Macau. Mm -hmm. And uh, in general, um, education level in Macau is uh, not very high, even though they are, they are um, you know, amongst the richest in the world right now, not very high. Because simply put, most people don't need a high degree or high education level to do well in Macau, you know. It's not uncommon to see someone, in fact, it's very common to see someone, uh, you know, not going into university. Okay. I guess you're competing against 600,000 people, so you don't need to be too elite. No, it's not, so like much, it's not so much of that, but rather I can have a very good life if I, if I sign up to um, the gaming industry as a dealer. Yeah. Okay, I'll earn more than spending the next three or four years in the university, come out and become some form of administrator. Okay, I'll earn a lot more. And, and the chances are that I'll lead a lot better life because I have, you know, I'm in a very exciting uh, uh, sector. I see different people all the time. Uh, and as much as the gamblers are feeling the excitement of playing cards, I get the excitement too and things like that. So there's a lot of gains up from there. So generally, people just kind of like stop school, 
mm. after high school. So they stopped studying after high school to get into the gambling industry. Mm. Yeah, so it's a very different attitude, very different demographics, uh, and the and uh, um, the resulting uh, relationship with China is very different. Macau obviously has benefited a lot more from returning back to China than Hong Kong has. Yeah. So you know that that gives them the the, the a, a very different. So this can be the main reason. No, that is. I think that is only one of the reason. One of the, one of the reasons, but um, it's definitely one of those more important reasons. Generally, people saw their life getting better over a generation compared to that. And did you have any academic experience in Macau? I don't, but I have friends working there. In fact, I have quite a number of friends working there. Macau, interestingly, well, they have only 600,000 uh, students. They have more than a handful of universities. And they are all benchmarked against the best in the world. So Macau universities are attracting uh, um, academics, Nobel Prize winners and, and everyone you know, to, to that because they have a lot of money to spend. Okay, the, the, they are considered government servants, all right, but they are paid in US dollars. So it's like almost instead of universities, they're think tanks. Mm. A lot of money pushing behind them, just attracting yeah. the smartest and brightest. They're just attracting the smartest, so they want to, to push up their ranking as fast as possible. Mm. So they have lots of money to throw around invite academics to join them and uh, with that you know they improve their, their their overall ranking and the but the problem is it's they they are those institutions are built on sand because they don't have enough uh, a big enough population to 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 sustain those uh, education system um, just to give a background is that uh, Macau education system uh, it's very much like Hong Kong, I would say, um, but a lot more liberal than Hong Kong in a, uh, or, or decentralized compared to Hong Kong. Um, what happened is that every, every um, community, uh, religious, ethnic community, or even um, you know, um, anyone with special, special interests, can set up their own schools in, in, in Macau. So during the, during the uh, um, colonial times, um, all schools will need to learn Portuguese, all schools. So that's, that's the only requirement for anyone who's setting up a school. All right, so you can be a philanthropist, you want to set up a school, yep, you can do whatever you want, you can experiment with whatever curriculum you want, just the only requirement is that you need to, st the student needs to study Portuguese yeah. on top of whatever the languages that, uh, that they study. Um, but after that, after the uh, return back to Chinese, they abolished that altogether. All right, but they say you can still, if you want to, you, if, you, if the school wants to teach Portuguese, you can continue doing that. So there are certain schools that continue to teach Portuguese and they tend to be the missionary schools and elite schools. All right. Then other schools transited into a Chinese, more Chinese-based uh, um, curriculum. Okay. Another explanation why they are closer to China because they tend to follow what the Chinese uh, curriculum does. Um, but the problem there is that English is not the major major language in there okay and universities entrance for university is actually english language 
So you have a lot of students who, who didn't meet the minimum requirement in getting into the universities in Macau itself. So much so that, you know, the, the University of Macau is pretty much dominated by, by mainland Chinese students at the moment. Mm. Yeah, you're talking about very, very high, 60-70% mainland Chinese students. Yeah, that's actually very true. Like, all my cousins don't speak English very well. Yeah, they don't speak there. English. In fact, they, some of them, they speak better Portuguese than, than English. Mm. But the, the higher institutes of higher education, they just need, they need English. Hey, Wendy, você fala português. <laughs> I know only because it's similar to Italian, so I can guess. Well, I know you do. But no Portuguese, no boa. Ah, no boa. That's all I can say. It's it's a very complicated system in 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 Macau, and and that kind of like lead on to what happened in politics. Throughout, throughout the um, the Cold War, Macau was not the center or not the not not the not the front lines of the Cold War. Okay, even though it's, it was an, a Portuguese outpost, so the close relationship pod, uh, Macau has with China actually seeps into the Chinese communities in Macau itself. So it is still quite fashionable today. For uh, the, uh, the 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 big families in in, in 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 Macau to send their kids to mainland Chinese universities, okay, whether whether they partly because they studied Chinese in the in the, in the first place, but also to maintain close relationship with Beijing. Was Portugal in the non-aligned movement, or are they? No, they're no. not. Oh, they are col- okay. they're, they're colonial power. Remember? Oh yeah. Okay. They cannot be in the non-aligned movement. <laughs> I just thought it's like I think Portugal belongs to NATO as well. Oh yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So. So it's a uh, yeah it's um so whatever all the upheavals that happen, whereas in 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 the riots in the nineteen sixties in in Hong Kong, he actually created a Hong Kong identity. Okay, the riots in Hong Kong because of a uh, cultural revolution. Yeah, the riots in Hong Kong created a Hong Kong identity. You actually see more pro CCP movements in Macau. Okay, and kind of like move on from there. Um, so they, they, they identity wise they move on very different trajectories. Does Hong Kong identity have a lot to do with the fact that they're mostly Cantonese speaking? Do you think, um, as opposed to Mandarin and mainland China? Yes, part of it probably yes, but in a lot of way it is it is more vis a vis the CCP than than not. Okay. Yeah, at least today that's what it is. Yeah, earlier on Hong Kong has a very interesting um, terrain in the sense that. Um, there are there were ex Kuomintang uh, people in in Hong Kong. Oh, there yeah. were there were pro CCP people in in Hong Kong. So, um, right until uh, the nineteen nineties, they were like the two biggest political forces and vocal force uh, vocal vocal uh, or um, speakers in in Hong Kong. And and by and large, the tension has been between the two groups. But since these two groups have kind of merged, uh, okay, okay, and yeah. you see that kind of uh, you know animosity towards mainland China, uh, increasingly, mm. so identity is a is a, I would say something that really uh, differentiate Macau from Hong Kong, uh, 
You, you guys know. bloody writing notes to, to each other? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? No, we were just um. <laughs> No, we're just um, communicating because. We're just... But no, for I actually want to. All of our, our, our listeners out there, um, Soul Keep was pretty much just looking at me when he was speaking, and Wendy and Marco were just writing notes on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on. Um, no, but I actually wanted to ask because you were saying that um, Macau benefits a lot more from having closer relations with China. Then can you explain what disadvantages or from Hong Kong's perspective, like, what is the tension there? Like, tell us more in terms of why, how is it so different for them um, to have a closer relationship with China? Uh, you mean Hong Kong? Yeah. Well, that's a very complicated question. <laughs> the best way you can explain. Uh, I mean, I cannot, I cannot speak for all Hong Kong people. Why do you think? Because this is all opinions, I suppose. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, why do I think? Uh, We're just making it clear. (laughs) Even though Macau and Hong Kong are just right next to each other, I think there are lots of uh, tension between um, how Hong Kongers look at Macanese and how Macanese look at Hong Kongers. Then, until until quite recently, Hong Kong's tends to see Macau as a uh, lawless, um, you know, place that's ridden by gangsters and prostitutes and, you know, that kind ah, of backwater, yeah. you know, somewhere where you travel to in terms just to uh, uh, spend some time and, and, and get... Like a playground. Yeah, pretty much like that. So they never give Macau or Macanese people a, a lot of... Uh, respect in that in, in, in that in that from from that perspective at least that's how i see it. um but macau also saw uh hong kong as a kind of a snotty neighbor uh. yeah who export all their problems to to macau and uh you know um they come around and do nothing good for, for like the average they work great with each other. Yeah, they work great with each other. Sounds of course. like a sibling. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean that kind of thing. You you say they're perfect fit, but you know that kind of persisted for a while, um, and the return of Hong Kong to mainland China has uh, kind of has how would I put it? Um, describe it has. It's kind of pull Hong Kongers down to earth that they are not that special after all. They're not so special. And the fact that um, Hong Kong's economy has not done well since the return, okay, um, and they were beset by a number of uh, um, crises, you know, from the bird flu crisis to all the, um, the um, SARS crisis, etc., etc., the, the financial uh, financial uh, crisis in 1997, they don't see that they are benefiting from the return to, to mainland China. And by virtue, Macau was kind of like embracing mainland China by and large, and it creates a certain kind of envy at the same time as animosity. Okay. So it sounds like Macau clearly benefits yeah. from returning to China, whereas Hong Kong, it's sort of, 
a give and take depending how you see it. Yeah. But to much. them, it sounds like it's just all. They're getting China's a bad taking. deal. Yeah, they're having a bad deal, and which resulted in the the um, crystallization of a Hong Kong local movement. Yeah. Eventually. And uh, the, 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 the localism in, in, in Hong Kong become a lot stronger over time. Whereas in Macau, a slightly different thing happened because activism is a lot less in Macau. Education system is not, you know, the education level is not generally not very high. Um, the, everyone is just more concerned about their bread and butter issues rather yeah. than something of higher aspiration. So that is, uh, that is um, a... a, a, a a very big difference between the two, the two territories. Um, so just in short, that is how I would respond to your question. So yeah, definitely. There are lots of activists and academics and in Macau who are trying. Uh, sorry, in Hong Kong who are tr- who are trying to convert, so go convert, mechanics to be more anti mainland China. Um, I've known personally known some myself, you know, who 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 asked the students to to join the demonstration in Hong Kong, etc., etc., and uh, for that for what he did, he actually got sacked by Macau University. Oh wow! Yeah, because they don't talk. This is is bad for the institution. Yeah, it's bad for the institution. So they, uh, um, yeah. So it's. Uh, the tension still runs deep, I'll say. The identity tension still runs deep. But in more recent years, I have to say that Macau has a, has a budding um, anti-CCP movement going on as well. I think the CCP is in favour of status quo. Oh, yeah. To the CCP, Hong Kong and Macau, you know, they can develop in whichever way they want, so long as they don't, sh- they don't rock the boat. Yeah, you know, nothing's broken. They are not going to change things as far as they're concerned. So, um, are they concerned about what's going on in Macau? Probably, increasingly, they're looking at Macau and see what's going on. But I don't think they are. They have hit the level yet, you know, to be alarmed about the developments in in Macau. Mm. Not yet. Yeah, not like what's going on in Hong Kong. As you can see, you know, a lot of the recent statement uh, uh, that was released by the National People's Congress as well as. Uh, uh, the liaison office in Hong Kong, they were all related to Hong Kong, about mm-hmm. who should rule Hong Kong and everything. Nothing was said about Macau. Nothing. Zero. So it's very much Macau is a non-issue to Beijing. That just shows how, you know, how, how much attention mm-hmm. Beijing is paying to Macau. Not much. Also the educational system is yeah. really important. Education yeah. system is very, very important. interesting, I'll say. Okay, I mean, if you want me to share something interesting going on in Macau, is that it's so, it is so disjointed. It is so bent. The whole thing is so disjointed. My, my, my colleague, who is a lady, joined Macau University. So a married, attractive, um, 30-ish, mm. you know, going to Macau, as a job and finding wow this is this is my 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 my, my career and i can find finally find a life there and she has a problem of finding a suitable partner in in macau because not only is the population small they are by and large not as highly educated as those that are elsewhere has she tried bumble 
<laughs> I'm sure she tried everything. Okay, but the point really is that because in in the Chinese culture, it's like you tend to marry upwards than downwards, or at least you have to when find you someone. Say upwards, yeah. do you mean education. like education age level? Or... Yeah, <laughs> you know, say. social economic status, you... status. So it's it's a it's a tradition. It's a traditional thing. Okay, conservative uh, Chinese do that. Of course, I'm not saying that they should do that, but. Somehow they carried those uh, values with them when they when There's they also feel if she's looking for no strings attached. Mm, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, and Macau Entertainment is really catered for men rather than for women. No kidding. No kidding. Okay. Um. I mean, I, I don't want to sound sleazy, but that's that's the reality. That's the reality. You know, the big gamblers tend to be male. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the services, you know, are really catered towards the male gender. Yeah, so uh, you're looking at very male-dominated region. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. So my 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 colleague has very has a lot of difficulty finding a partner, and he she eventually found one. Yeah, but she has to really. Is that one of the social issues in Macau? I I I wouldn't say it's a general <laughs> social issue, but, men be but you know yeah. if it comes, you know if you were to if, let's say. You know, Wendy. One day, if you decide to go back to Macau and, and start all over <laughs> again, unmarried and everything, you may want to consider that a bit. You know, whether or not you can find someone I'd, in Macau. I'd be marrying a dealer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're it's better than marrying a dealer here. It's like, or maybe you should marry a tycoon over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, we have to wrap up soon, but I think that was really interesting. And honestly, from the outset, I thought Hong Kong and Macau were pretty similar. That it was kind of like, why wouldn't they follow the same path? But it sounds like, yeah, they're really different in terms of demographic, history, culture, the way people were brought up, their mindsets, that it kind of makes sense why they're not protesting against China Mm. as Hong Kong is. but in you saying it sounds like it's a space we've got to watch because it sounds like there might be some budding, budding anti-China. Yeah, there might be some. Out. Yeah, that's right. Stay tuned for the protests. <laughs> <laughs> and the Next dating scene in Macau. Yeah. <laughs> we should have more of this interesting topics. Yeah. I know. Thank you so much, Soki. You've been listening to The Voice of Empyro. Thanks for joining us again for another great episode brought to you by Empyro and also by Tom's Tractors. See you next time.